Hey there, thoughtful listener. What is your number one lead generation blocker? Head to upmyinfluence.com slash quiz to find out right now. That's upmyinfluence.com slash quiz, and I'll share why you aren't getting the intros and sales you deserve. We're also actively seeking guests for this daily commercial-free entrepreneur wisdom podcast. Agency owners, consultants, coaches, and B2B service providers, head to upmyinfluence.com slash guest, and I'd love to promote your expertise to our amazing audience. Let's get on with the show. With us right now, it's Julie Kratz. Julie, you are the founder of Next Pivot Point, and you are found on the web at nextpivotpoint.com. Julie, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, give us an overview of the work that you do. Uh, Obviously, you're in the DEI space, and uh, what a so much good work being done in that field right now. And, And it's my impression from the outside that I feel like, where we are, you know, I can speak for the United States. It it I, it feels like we're more receptive to 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 improving in that area. But again, I'm just kind of got a little bit of an outsider perspective on that. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, awareness has increased of issues and especially systemic issues that we used mm-hmm. to just not challenge because it's just part of the way we're raised, a part of mm-hmm. the status quo, and it just becomes so normalized and routinized in our lives. So I would agree with you. The last few years have definitely shaken up awareness. I don't think any of us can deny that racism exists and to some degree ableism, you know, um, we can definitely be more inclusive with gender and LGBTQ and many more dimensions of diversity, but yeah, the, the work we do is really to help people understand how to be an ally for people that are different from you. And so I'm a big believer that we need all voices in this conversation. Unfortunately, the lion's share of DEI work falls on women of color shoulders. And as a white woman, I'm kind of like, that's super not fair. Like they didn't create this. Why are we asking them to solve the problem? Um, so I really hope, hope to be an ally and hope to spread the message on the importance of allyship. Yeah. Why is, I'm going to throw you a couple of softballs here, right? So don't don't think that I'm asking these questions out of complete ignorance. Um, but why is it important for us to be honest and aware of systemic biases that might, to some of us, appear to be completely invisible? Like it's just not, we would never notice it if someone weren't, uh, you know, if someone didn't take the time to explain and point it out to us. Why is it really important that we're all aware Yeah. I mean, I think you point at something really important, especially when I do a lot of work with, you know, C-suite leaders um, that, you know, tend to be white men. uh, They don't see it. So it's like, well, I didn't have that experience happen to me. It it can't be about that. It has to be about something else, you know, and they're going to backpedal and make excuses. And then I think confronted with the reality of like, yes, this does happen. The woman is having a very different experience on your team than men are. And why is that? You know, there has to be an element of something else going on. So I think it's really important that people look beyond their own experiences in the world. You know, we kind of have that tunnel vision of this is me, this is what's happened to me. But if anything, 
I think if we can just develop some empathy bridges, just bridging to people that are different from us, just sharing our stories a little bit more, just being a little bit more curious about how someone grew up and the experiences that they might be having that are inclusive or not so inclusive, especially in the workplace, because we're at a crux right now where we don't have enough labor. In, even with an economic downturn looming or whatever is happening, if anyone knows, tell me. But the uncertainty factor, I think people want to reduce their budgets on DEI or, you know, go back to the basics and focus on the things that make money like sales and marketing. And I just would caution people from doing that. Like we have to keep this focus up long-term and the why is because we need everybody involved in this conversation, especially Gen Z, the the generation that's entering the workforce right now, they demand diversity and inclusion because that's their lived experience, which is very different than older generations experience. So my hope is this conversation is just getting started and heating up. Yeah. And, you know, within our workplaces, what would be, you know, and I don't know how often this happens where you get someone that's like, I'm not sure they get it. Like, or let me, let me ask you this. Let me ask it this way. What are the misconceptions that some leaders may have around DEI? Like they they think this is what it is. This is why we have to pay attention to inclusion and equity in the workplace. When in fact, you know, I'm I'm curious, you know, if if there's any misconceptions that you find yourself commonly having to correct or in, and provide enlightenment on. <laughs> Well, um, I have lots of thoughts on this. This is a, a piece I'm working on for Entrepreneur Magazine, uh. the publication right now. Actually, there's three things that leaders say way too often. Mm. Um, the first one is like, our industry is not diverse. Like, okay, no yeah. industry is yep. diverse, right? We historically have struggled to recruit diverse talent. Well, no, of course you have, Right. Um, and, and that those biases have lifted a little bit with hybrid work. You can't just blame your geographic region anymore. Um, maybe for, you know, manufacturing for frontline jobs, which tend to be more diverse represented anyway. Um, so I think those, those excuses, uh, that people say is just really a shortcut to defensiveness, to blaming others versus taking real responsibility, for ourselves and our actions. And so many companies have given great blueprints on what success can look like when you get consistent, uh, intentional. And the third key piece uh, that's super necessary is a senior leadership team. Just got to be engaged. Like senior leaders will tell me like, oh, the, the DEI group is working on this or the HR team's working on this. Like, well, what are you doing? <laughs> There wouldn't be anything else important in business that we wouldn't have our most senior leaders engaged in, and DEI is no different. Yeah. Julie, when you are engaging, what does that typically look like? Um, are you just coming in? Are you doing assessments? Are you just coming in and giving a rah-rah keynote speech? <laughs> <laughs> I do love the rah-rah, but unfortunately it doesn't have the stickiness for behavior change. Sure. You know, one one time, one and done, check the box event is is really not my jam. Used to do it. I still do, you know, of course, conferences and things. But I think where we're really seeing traction again is back to an intentional series of programs. So that could look like, 
yeah, workshops and um, events and discussions and and ongoing, you know, theme by theme. Let's unpack, you know, all the different dimensions of diversity. Let's not just talk about race and gender, but increasingly what I'm seeing more sophisticated teams do is assess. Yeah. Just like anything in business, we measure what matters. And so doing a qualitative and or quantitative assessment, not just a demographic information, um, but more broadly, the perceptions of inclusion in your organization. What's wild about this is once you look at the data, just take a, a sample data point. It's been found um, a great group called Bias Interrupters has like 14,000 know, respondents to this data. And so it's pretty significant. The perception of fairness in the workplace, on average, 20 points higher for white men versus women and people, women of color and pe- any yeah. people of color. And so when you look at that hard data and you're like, hmm, maybe, yeah. maybe people are having a different experience here. And then you measure it over time. Hopefully that gets better. And there's, there's a real return on that investment. Turnover is costly. You know, I have an organization right now that's like 20% attrition rate. I mean, that is Mm -hmm. not sustainable. They're going to go out of business. They can't keep doing churning people like that. And organizations that aren't inclusive, there's just going to be more and more burn and churn. And so if you're okay with that, and that's the kind of workforce you want, don't do the work. But if you want to retain top talent and attract top talent, you really need to get involved in this and measuring it and doing frequent programming, frequent discussions around it for sure. Yeah. Um, how do you handle the, uh, you know, the argument that they say, well, you know, we put out for some leadership opportunities and surprise, 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 it was like, 95% white dudes who put it in. <laughs> I actually was just doing an interview in, in one of my, and, and th- this is the example that kind of came up from, from the guest. Um, and I'm curious, um, you know, if you, if you hear that, which I'm sure you do, uh, or there's just way too many. It, it, and I know statistically again, and for whatever reason, gender beliefs about gender. Um, I know that there's a a major gap in, you know, a a position that might feel a little big for the qualifications. Men generally, again, stereotyping, will have no problem just going for it anyway. Whereas- Yeah, there's data on that. You're right. Yeah, as it's been explained to me, tend to be a little bit more reserved in kind of aiming for the bigger promotions, which is frustrating for everybody, I think. Well, there's a few things come into play here. So in that scenario where the promotion comes up, who throws their name in, men are more likely to do that. White men are more likely to do that because one of the things is the potential versus performance bias. So we tend to judge men on potential, meaning they haven't had to do the thing yet. Versus women and people of color on uh, performance. So they've had to do the thing already yet. So you understand it's a bit of a chicken and egg problem. Also, there's data that shows when men look at a job description, eh, six to 10 criteria, they're good. Women, they actually think it's criteria, which, you know, it probably should be actual criteria if it's on a job description. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll wait till like 90, 95% of that is fulfilled. And so you have kind of these stereotypes, these social norms that just, and these biases that just get baked in and lead to this problem where we perpetuate 
these systems of inequality. So I think for organizations, a couple of things you can do differently. One, objective criteria, please. Like if you've hired somebody that hasn't or promoted somebody that hasn't met all that criteria, then it's not a real criteria. Second, eliminate this idea of cultural fit or I like him. I want to work with them. We tend to hire people and promote people that we like to spend time with outside of work, which you think about it, that's probably not your top performer just because they like the same things as you. So really question these biases in the moment. Try to sort that out with objective criteria. And two, and and the last thing I'd say is for women, sometimes that little nudge, you know, I remember when I first started getting into facilitation work back in my corporate days, I was imposter syndrome, um, which women don't have more of, we're just, you know, socialized to question ourselves more, but I had it. I'm like, Oh, who am I to do that? And, you know, it's only old white guys that get to do that. You know, that was like, what was going on in my brain. And I remember a good ally said, Hey, Julie, you would be great at that. Look at all the other things you've done like that. And it would just took that vote of confidence for yeah. someone to like hold the mirror up and be like, yeah, hey, you got this. Yeah. So allies really do matter. I I love that. You know, I, I heard a really another really great idea of, you know, as if you are in a position of leadership and, and this is a, you know, this is a, like you want to promote, like, and you very, very want to promote you know, to, to, to include diversity at every level within the organization, uh, the importance of mentorship programs where, you know, you seek after, you know, at POC or females, you know, we've done some really good work with one of our clients who's, you know, working with organizations to try to bring more women into sales, which again, historically has been a little bit more male dominated. Um, and it really does require those, you know, listen, we're just going to have these little mentorship groups independent of whether or not there happen to be opportunities right now. And just like you talked about, we're going to hold up that mirror and say, you know, you know, to whoever is in that group, yes, please go for these things. <laughs> you know, and just, you know, someone to be a champion from within, within, I think would just be awesome, so awesome. And it doesn't necessarily, and, and I, um, here's the other issue I have too. And I ask this a lot because I always, I question my own desire to always appear genuine and sincere when addressing, you know, a topic that I care passionately about. I don't want to come across as a phony, but I am an ally, right? And so I don't know if there's a term for that, but, you know, just like, how can we, if you are, you know, within the majority of an organization, you know, how can you more genuinely be a champion and an ally to, to those, because it's something that's very meaningful to you. Like, you yeah. know, that you have that moral obligation on top of all the other reasons why you want equity and inclusion in the workplace. Yeah. Yeah. I love the moral obligation. Like, don't we all want a fair and just world? I would hope most of us do. And we're wired from a young age. Like that's not fair. You know, it, yeah. questioning fairness, I think is really important. Um, and, and you spoke to mentorship. I'd add a few roles to that. You know, we talk about allyship as a continuum and you're right. Um, one of the traps people can fall into is performative allyship. And that's what you're talking about. Inauthentic. It's like I show up when it's in the news cycle, I'm going to make the statement donation and then like peace out later. We don't need that, right? What we need are active allies and active allies take action, right? So they're mentoring, they're sponsoring. Sponsoring is actually an area where we really need growth from our male colleagues. 
those in positions of power are in rooms where decisions are made. And if you can just amplify the voices of women, folks of color, folks that you don't see at that table, like what a powerful thing to do, but also a risky thing to do when you're putting your reputation kind of on the line for someone else. Um, We also talk about coaching, um, which is really about listening and helping someone problem solve on their own. It's not the rah-rah motivational speech that I think sometimes we associate with coaching and challenging, you know, women, people of color do not get the same level of feedback and access to challenging assignments Mm -hmm. that the majority group tends to do. Um, and advocacy, I'd also say, so you don't have to be all of those things, but be one thing, you know, focus on one thing. How could you show up for someone different from yourself? Because, you know, when I did the analysis of my network, unfortunately, eight years ago, when I started doing this work, my network was so much like me. All my mentors were white women, uh, who sponsored me, white men, you know, who were my advocates, my coaches, I just gravitated towards people like me. So that's another thing I'd offer is, you know, diversify your network. You'll learn so much more from people different from yourself. Yeah. Um, so when somebody goes to your website, nextpivotpoint.com, Julie, let's say they've been listening to our conversation. They're like, I like Julie. She seems that you, you do, you, you, uh, you're very approachable. Like, I, I feel just a sense of comfort in talking with you. <laughs> yeah, um, I know. People think like, DEI is scary. It's like, oh, come on. Like, I think we're taking the work a little too, se- I mean, it's a serious issue, but it doesn't have to be so serious. I think we can yeah. have fun with it too. Yeah. Uh, so when someone goes to your website, again, your website is nextpivotpoint.com. What would you recommend they do? Oh, well, I appreciate the question. Um, One, uh, you can absolutely get your hands on some free resources. So our resources tab right there, there is a resource list that we have vetted for years that has all of our favorite books, podcasts, um, great diversity content, like short, quick consumable videos. So one of the things we're seeing with organizations is just have a snackable, especially if you're a small, medium-sized company and you don't have a huge DEI budget, you don't have an HR person even grab a resource, grab like something and just say, Hey, we're going to have a book club or, Hey, we're going to listen to this podcast and come prepared to discuss. There is so much great content already out there. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, so check out the resources. And I'd say too, connect with us. I mean, we're actively planning for 2023 as most people are looking ahead to next year. And so mm-hmm. if you've got, you know, a need for a speaker at a conference, or you want um, folks to come in and do training or workshops or some of those assessments and strategy work. Um, we also love to do coaching with senior leaders. Cause like I said, without them on board, it just, it doesn't work. Uh, so I'd invite you to connect with us and uh, you can connect directly on the co- uh, co- contact us tab um, and even schedule time with us directly there. So thanks for that. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. I didn't mention, Julie, you've got some really good books here. So you've got uh, Ally. So you've got Lead Like an Ally, uh, Pivot Point. Uh, Then you've got some children's books. This is so cool. Charlotte wants a BFF, Little Allies. This is cute. And then of course, you've got a workshop here, Allyship in Action. So, so cool. Oh, yeah. Well, and our hope is that this next generation doesn't have to do this hard work that we're Ugh. wrestling with. It's just, I've got three girls, like, please, no, please. I want the world to be better for them. Um, and so that's why we wrote the children's book. The little allies is helping instill inclusion in kids from a young age. And 
sadly, our school boards and school systems are polarized, just like a lot of issues in our country. So it gives people the tools in a discussion guide. Um, and we're actually starting our nonprofit, The Little Allies, in 2023. So more to come there. But our hope is to give back to communities and supply tools and resources so that you know, an educator has so much on their plate. These summer camps and after school associations, you know, for them to come up with diversity content, it's just a little preposterous. So it's all done for you. There's a workbook, there's discussion questions, all that good stuff. So that's another thing to check out. The books tab's got some good information for adults and for your kiddos. I love it. Julie Kratz. Again, thank you so much. Your website, nextpivotpoint.com. Julie, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. If you're a listener, I'd love to shout out your business to our whole audience for free. You can do that by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or join our listener Facebook group. Just search for The Thoughtful Entrepreneur in Facebook. I'd love even if you just stopped by to say hi. I'd love to meet you. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. We love our community who listens and shares our program every day. Together, we are empowering one another as thoughtful entrepreneurs. Hit subscribe so that tomorrow morning, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. I promise to bring positivity and inspiration to you for around 15 minutes each day. Thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.